that version of of, of Firas uh, in Syria. I I want to say you were you were really a great person and I, I really uh, brave heart you know very brave heart to to live there and stay there all the war all the years of the war. It wasn't easy to 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 take all of these risks. I'm Hassam Ibrahim, your host for today, and this is the Science in Exile podcast. In this series, we get an insight into the lives of scientists in exile and discuss how the past, present, and future of science can be preserved across borders. The podcast is a part of an ongoing refugee and displaced scientist project run by the World Academy of Sciences, the International Science Council, and the Inter-Academy Partnership. On today's episode, we have Firas Kharat, a Syrian PhD scholar in molecular biomedicine at the University of Trieste in Italy. Firas moved from Syria to Italy with his wife and child in 2017 to escape war and continue his research. He completed his bachelor's and master's degree in Aleppo University in Syria. During this period, his country was struck by war. It started in 2012, and by the uh, the middle of 2012, by the end of 2012, the city was uh, was completely horrible city, and uh, it, it it was really difficult uh, and risky to stay there. The war, the war uh, to the country, to to a dark way, a very dark way, rapidly. Yeah, we went through this uh, this war. It didn't take a, a lot of uh, time to realize that we are going to to be in a very dark, uh, very dark way. I don't want to uh, to go through the details, but this is uh, yeah, the war affected everybody, every home. If if you are not talking about about somebody who who was killed or somebody who was kidnapped, for sure all the family are, are suffering from from the, the poverty, from difficulties in, in providing uh, the essential materials to, to, to stay alive, you know? It, it's really difficult to describe, especially after 2013, uh, 15th of uh, 2013, when the problem of uh, Aleppo University happened, you know, the, the bomb of uh, Aleppo University. You know, when you see the, the university means the future, University students mean future. You know, when, when you lose the future, you lose a lot. And, and we, yeah, we lost a lot. As, as Syrians, we lost a lot. Could you tell us a little bit more about how Aleppo University was um, before the bombings happened in 2013? So, you know, before, before the war, we had very good system. Uh, talking about the, the, the university and, and the research in, in Aleppo, there was a, a lot of fund for 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 the research in, in that in that period especially if we are talking about 2009 2010 2008 in that period for example if you are a phd student in that in that period i'm talking specifically you can be funded up to uh, starting from 16 to uh, 32 or 35000 dollars to to fund your research but one of our super uh, supervisors 
he performed his PhD in Damascus University and Damascus University provided him fund of uh, $60,000 for his research. So very good uh, educational system. And the instruments that I was working in, in our laboratory in, uh, in Aleppo University, in, in Biotechnology Center in, uh, in Aleppo University, I'm working now here with some instruments in Trieste University. They are in the same level and some, some instruments in Aleppo, they, they, are, they were uh, better before the war. Everything was new, very good. Uh, I mean, especially my, my department, a lot of research centers in, in Syria were, were, were supporting this, uh, this department from Damascus, from uh, Aleppo. We had the International Center for Agriculture uh, in Dry Areas. This, this research center is an outstanding research center in, in Aleppo. You can say it's comparable, but it's, they, they were doing research just for uh, in, the, in the agriculture area. But it's comparable with the, with the facilities that I saw here in, uh, in the ICGB in Europe. And I, I was lucky to have uh, some training in that, in that center before the war. So what was Aleppo University like after the war started? Starting uh, from 2012, the, the, the fund was started to be decreased, decreased, decreased. Now I think uh, we're talking about a few dollars, 60 or 70 dollars, I don't know, 100 dollars. Something from, came from thousands to, to hundreds. Now it's, it's really tough. Even now, it depends on the research center. Some, some research centers in Syria, they are better than others especially in Damascus. Damascus is the capital and they were not um, highly affected like, like Aleppo. When I was in Aleppo, we were, we were depending on uh, other solutions because there was no electricity. I remember four months con- continuously, the normal electricity didn't come to the city. Okay, so uh, we, we were using other, other solutions to provide electricity, but it's not continuous. And this affected us a lot especially people who are performing research like, like uh, uh, long experiments, like my case. I was performing some, some days DNA extractions and agarose gel. And then at the end, I need to see BCR and uh, whatever the experiment. Sometimes the electricity cut off and I, I, I lose the experiment. I lose the money of the experiment, the result of the experiment, and I need to beat again. And most of the airports in Syria are, are, are shut. And sometimes you, you order the material from, from Lebanon to come to Syria. And, you know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not easy uh, to work in this way, especially uh, I'm talking about my, my field. We use uh, valuable materials and expensive materials, materials with with uh, with high high sensitivity, you know, to different conditions, to the temperature. To the, you know, it, it's not it's not easy to to perform how to say to sustain the the same level of of the research. It's completely impossible. You know, in March 2011, 13 of March 2011, uh, some Australian universities came to Syria. Yeah, and they were providing scholarships for, uh, they provided already scholarships for some Syrian students. This, this was before the war, uh, 13 of, of March. So we had even very, uh, very good collaborations with, with other uh, universities with the rest of the world. Now it's uh, completely lost, unfortunately. So when did you decide that you wanted to leave Syria and continue being a scientist um, outside? And what was that process like? I, I took I took uh, this this decision 
2015, when I, uh, I was almost in the last uh, stage of, of my master, I decided to, to perform the PhD degree out of Syria, you know, starting from, from that point. But I will talk about, about my experience. Most of the scholarships in that time and also the, type, the, the boss that were open out, out in, in Europe or in US or out of Syria in general, uh, you know, at the end, they will ask you, for example, whenever you want to, to come out to another university, they will ask you, where is your IELTS certificate? Where is your TOEFL certificate? And we don't have these, these centers in Syria. The, the TOEFL center in Syria is, was for the uh, paper-based TOEFL taste. And in, in many, many universities, it wasn't recognized. They were, unfortunately, they were not taking into consideration that you are in Syria and you cannot do this, this test. For people who are living in Syria, it's, it was kind of impossible, you know, talking about the cost, $200, $200 in that time, it, it means my, my salary for three months. So it, it was always a, a problem for, for most, most of Syrians until I got, I got the chance, thanking to one of, uh, of the organizations, uh, they, they supported me, CARA, Council for at Risk Academics, I want to give them my thanks. And to travel to do this certificate, you will you will have a lot of risks because the, the road is uh, many checkpoints on, on, the, on the road and the risks to be labbed. That was unfortunately happening in Syria. And uh, I wasn't able to travel until there was a completely safe road. And I, uh, I did the IELTS in Lebanon. It took me 17 hours to arrive to Beirut and also 17 hours to come back. And before we arrived to Aleppo, the road was uh, cut. We didn't know what, what to do. There was a sniper attacking at the road and we found us not able to, to complete the way. It's, it's terrible, terrible memories, you know. So what made you decide to be a scientist? Was it something that um, you wanted to do or was it something that your, your family wanted you to do? No, no, it, it was something that I wanted to do from the beginning, from the zero point. When I was uh, in the high school, my marks, my grade was, was very high. And I was able to study uh, whatever I want in, uh, in Syria. But I decided to go through uh, this field uh, because I, I like genetics, uh, molecular medicine. It's, it's something new, you know. I thought in that in that period when I was 18, now I'm 32, so I'm talking about something 14 years ago. Uh, I thought this this science is going to be uh, the, the language of the future. Taking into consideration in, in my mind that I, I want to complete till the end, I mean, till obtaining the PhD degree, taking the whole way from the beginning till the end. I was among the first top students also as uh, in the secondary school on, on, on the level of the country, the whole country. I, I had the chance to study whatever I want, but I decided to go through this, uh, this area. And this uh, field was also new in Syria and was well uh, established somehow. Uh, there, there were many collaborations with universities in Germany, universities in, in France, in UK, with the University of Aleppo to support this, this department, the new department. Now that you live and work in Italy, what status do you define yourself with, if any at all? that being refugee scientist, displaced scientist, or scientist in exile? To, to answer this question, let me first describe what we are facing now as Syrians, I mean. 90%, unfortunately, 90% of Syrians now in Syria are 
under the global uh, poverty line. We are now, unfortunately, Syria is, is the worst disaster in the current uh, modern era, you know. Unfortunately, this is uh, the truth. So all of us, all of Syrians, Syrian scientists and also Syrians, they are all in exile, but it's not something that we selected. It's not something that we wanted to do. It's not something voluntary. You can you can uh, describe my situation under this this point. So everybody in Syria was affected in the war. Whoever got the chance to leave the, the war took it honestly. I when I came here, I I got a scholarship from the ICGB. I, I took it, but now the, the the current status, I cannot go back. I came here normally with with normal visa. With, uh, general call, I mean, uh, of, of this scholarship, and it, it wasn't a special call for people in Syria. No, no, it, it, it was completely general competitive scholarship, and I, I won this scholarship because I, I had, uh, I wrote a good project, I did the IELTS, I did the TOEFL before, so I had, uh, you can say, the requirements of uh, of getting this scholarship, but currently I cannot go back, and this is the, the current point. Since you cannot go back, you can consider I'm, I'm uh, out of Syria continuously more than four years without any visit. Not something voluntary. It's not something that I wanted to, to come here and stay here and not coming back. No, because I cannot go back. This is a very important point. You know, when I was graduated as the, among the first top students, I was supposed to be devoted by the government to have my full position. For sure, if, if there's no war in Syria, I, I would come back and, and take the benefits of, of this position and have my own uh, research group, my own uh, laboratory, my own connections, and also good, good relationships with the university that I was supposed to be devoted to. I want to come back one day, but you know, I cannot come back. The war is still there, and you know it's 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 impossible to to go back, especially with 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 a family with with my family. I have now two kids. You know, it's it's not easy to be to be in Aleppo. What thoughts and uh, memories do you remember from when you left uh, Syria four years ago? I, I feel that I did a lot. Really, I did a lot. Uh, I, I did a lot in for, for my family and. For my future, I remembered my my the face of my father and my my brother when they told me go and uh, and seek your your future. You have the, the the qualifications and you have the the motivation to to become a scientist. So go and uh, and see your future. In the in the in the airplane, I I felt that I don't know I, I how, how to say it, but I I made a prayer. That to, to, to come back one day to Syria. I was praying for the war to stop and uh, not, not, to, to, not to die out of Syria, honestly. I wanted to die in my country, you know. That was, that was my prayer. It's difficult, you know, four years continuously without, without, uh, a hope to come back. The, the situation in Syria is getting worse day by day. It's not getting well. It's difficult. Fortunately, now there is there is the internet, and I can. Uh, some days it's it's cut off. Sometimes sometimes it's uh, it's okay. But I I, mm -hmm. I can talk to my father from uh, at least one time every one week or two weeks. Yeah, it, it's good. But you know, 
when you are there, it's it's much better. Talking about about my, my daughters, they 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 don't know what is serious. She doesn't know what is the, the meaning of Syria. She knows Italy, and that's it. She came here. She was eight months, and uh, she speaks Italian better than the, the Arabic. For for you as a father. It's nice for you to uh, to make your kids know what is the the the, the meaning of uh, of Syria. It's something to be proud of because at the end they are Syrians. I mean the the the, the young kids they they are growing without any any relation to to their home country to their native roots. This is a problem of Syrians in all of Europe. So this is another thing. Uh, as a father, I I consider. How has your experience been like working in Italy? Um, have you faced any sort of discrimination in the workplace for being Syrian or being from the Middle East? When I came, I came to the ICGB. The ICGB environment, it's an uh, international environment, you know. It was, it was okay for me to be in an international environment coming from, uh, from the Middle East. But, you know, sometimes you might face... Some some people, they they are under, underestimating your skills as a, as I told you, and you have just to to work hard and show them no, I'm better than what you were thinking about me, and uh, you know in 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 the research, <clears throat> not just to uh, to work and show the people your work that you are doing well. This is the the key. You can you cannot say it, it was in was like a general rule. All the people are under under underestimating you. No, the general rule. The people are uh, welcoming international environment and uh, I was uh, happy to be uh, to be there. So Firas, you've uh, actively supported Science International's Science in Exile initiative. Uh, you've attended their workshop and uh, presented the problems that Syrian scientists face in their country. And you started a dialogue about how organizations can preserve science in Syria. Um, how important would you say is it for international organizations to actually work with Syrians um, in order to help them rebuild their country? Now, 90% of, of Syrians are under the poverty line. And uh, we need to, uh, to focus. We need to, uh, to focus on, on something that unifies us. We need to rebuild Syria again. Science is one of the ways to reach this, uh, this goal. You know, we, we have uh, a lot of motivation for, for the science. I mean, talking about, about myself and other Syrian scientists, now we have uh, more responsibility toward our country, you know. We, we need to be very, very well qualified to rebuild the country. For, for this, we need the support. We need the support of, of the organizations, not, not for us to, to live here, to stay here and live here. No, to, to be qualified qualified enough to enter the reconstruction. I hope one day I will come back to my country to to share the benefits, to share the knowledge that I got here, the experience that I got here to my, my students, my friends, everybody. Thank you, Feroz, for being on this episode and sharing your story with Science International. This podcast is part of an ongoing refugee and displaced scientist project called Science in Exile.
It's run by Science International, an initiative in which three global science organizations collaborate at the forefront of science policy. These are the International Science Council, the World Academy of Sciences, and the Inter-Academy Partnership. For more information on Science in Exile Project, please head over to council.science/scienceinexile. The informations, opinions, and recommendations presented by our guests do not necessarily reflect the values and beliefs of Science International.